Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, the show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, on the we, podcast, much better. We're, we're going to figure this one out together. We are we are hashing things out live, in person. I think we hashed it. I think I think it's resolved. Is it resolved? I don't know. We'll, we'll see how everybody feels at the end of this podcast because okay. we'll get there. Okay, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back. We're glad that you're here. If you're still here, I, they are. Are they? Trust me. Yeah. They are. Even as we ended last one by saying, "Hey, you should love the church and also love your family and love them together at the same time." Yeah. Yeah. I think people appreciate. Health, helpful conversations. I hope so. Yeah. And we don't want to be heavy handed, right? I mean, that's, that's one of the charges to an elder. First Peter chapter five, we need to be careful that we're not right. heavy handed with our, our shepherding. So yeah, we love you guys and you guys are part of the church. And so we want you to love the church because it's, uh, it's all, it all goes hand in hand together. Yeah. Love your church, love your family. Yeah. They're not competing. Right. Even though sometimes it does feel like that. And we acknowledge that it's messy in, in the fallen world. It is. But that doesn't change the fact that God calls us to do both. Right. And to, to do them well. Right. Yeah. Well, hey, we, uh, let's just jump into it today. Okay. What day is today? Tuesday? Tuesday. 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 We're in Genesis the, chapter 32. The day. Tuesday, 32 Tuesday. We're in Genesis chapter 32, 33, and 34. 34. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to 34. Chapter 32, then, you've got uh, Jacob's leaving. Remember, he's, he's fleeing from Laban. He's got all of his family. Laban caught him. Chapter 31, they agreed to, to part ways. It's, a, it's a, not a great situation. Well, it, it goes on from there, and Jacob <laughs> Jacob doesn't have a chance to like let his guard down because now all of a sudden he hears, hey, Esau's coming. And uh, this is, uh, this is a, a, a danger here for him and, and something that he's not super excited about. In verses 7 through 8, he is, he's fearful Understandably of, so. of what Esau's going to do. Yeah, I mean, this is a... This is a terror. This is not like a respect or reverence or no, he's afraid as in like his knees are knocking together. He's greatly afraid and distressed. And so he he divides everyone and sets them apart and starts to think through how he's going to do this. And he sends everybody on ahead of him and it's just him there. And then as the, the evening falls, we get this divine WWE match. We get a wrestling match That's between cool. Jacob and this man. Now, this is an interesting text. This is an interesting passage. Um, difficult in so for, for, for so many reasons. I was reading multiple commentaries on this, and, and there's just a lot here. In, in fact, one of the commentaries, uh, Creation and Blessing, uh, Alan is the author of that one. It's a good commentary. Ross, or Alan Ross, sorry, is the, uh, the author on that one. Bob Ross is the author? Bob Ross, yeah. Okay. Pretty little tree. It's a happy little mistake. <laughs> That's what he says about this chapter. No, um, he says there's a bunch of questions and so many of them are unanswered. And here's the questions that he lists. Who was the mysterious assailant? Who was the man? I think we can answer that based on, on Jacob's implications. But why was he fighting Jacob? Why was he unable to defeat Jacob? Why did he appear afraid of being overtaken by the dawn? Why did he strike Jacob's thigh or hip? Why did he refuse to reveal his own name? Why was the dietary taboo not included in the law in the future? What is the significance of the narrative within the patriarchal traditions? So there's a lot going on here. 
And uh, just to summarize, I mean, the, the man comes, Jacob wrestles with the man as the dawn's approaching. Uh, Jacob is is matching this man. And the man sees that he's not prevailing over Jacob and, and tells Jacob, let me go. The dawn is coming. And even that, there, there have been people that have said, and, and Alan uh, asked that question, Alan Ross asked that question. He says, what was the deal about the dawn? And some have said, well, if this is God, no man can see God and live. And so perhaps the light of the day would have revealed him in, in, for who he was. And, like that. and Jacob could have potentially perished. But He's concerned, so he ends up striking Jacob's hip. Um, Jacob holds fast until the man blesses him. The man blesses him and uh, and then changes his name from Jacob to Israel um, and then goes on. So why Israel? And, and, and that's part of it too. Even the name Israel, the, it, this is not a clean... One who strives with God. Yeah, this, this is not a clean... Uh, roadmap to, to the significance of this name. Like when you look at Abram to Abraham, like yeah. father of multitudes now, right. okay, you're like, okay, well that makes sense. This one uh, strives with God and prevail. Like it, it, it's, it's not a clean, it's not a, it's, there's not an easy correlation w- other than this is what happened in this event, but this becomes the name of the, the, the people of God. Like think about the, the, the future implications. What is the significance of this? They strive with God for the rest of their existence. They do, but, I, but not, not in the end, not in the end. They don't prevail. God prevails in the end. And they're his people. They're his chosen people. So yes, there's a striving, but there's the, the side that doesn't make sense to me is there's also the, the affection that God has for his people and mm-hmm. the oneness and the, the unity between, I mean, they're his firstborn child there. He calls Israel that we believe as dispensationalists. There's a future for Israel. The, the Messiah comes out of Israel. So the, the tension there, I, I I think there and, and there's a lot of questions about the Hebrew behind the word Israel, and I think I don't know that we fully can just boil it down to strives with God because there's so much. If this was just the name of Bilhah or somebody else, you'd be like, okay, we can move on from this. But this is the people of God. Like this is a weird, unclear, messy and muddy situation. So one approach to this is considering the fact that, well, so this is God, right? Well, we would right. agree this, this is, is God, God yes. in the flesh. And it's likely Jesus because he alone is the one who is incarnate. Right. The spirit is not incarnate. God the Father is not incarnate. Only Jesus possesses that quality and he retains that quality for the rest of his eternal existence because of his incarnation. Okay, so we would then rightly deduce that's probably Jesus here. Could Jesus, if he wanted to, smite Jacob without any hesitation? Of course. He could have overpowered him in a moment. And yet he doesn't. I, I think what's happening here is that Jesus allows him to win because this is going to be the means by which he blesses him. He's striving with God. And I think that this, uh, this is repeated later. Now, Jesus allows Jacob to win in order to bless him. Um, and, and later on, when Jesus comes in his flesh, the fullness of time, Jesus allows Israel to win again by letting them kill him. They win, but he does that in order to bless us. So in both occasions, God allows himself to lose that we might win. I, th- I mean, I don't know. That's a possibility. I don't know if that's too far-fetched, but I think that could work here, and that explains some of the complicating factors. Yeah. Yeah, I do think it, it does have a lot to do with Jacob individually. And, and again, we've talked about and alluded to this may be the moment that Jacob is actually redeemed may be too strong of a word, but I think this may be when he begins to understand and, and uh, m- multiple commentaries will make the point of, of the, the, the character. This is a symbol of, of his character is being transformed. He's no longer the deceiver. He's now the one who, who strives with God. And, and it's, yeah, it's just one of those unclear texts, I think at the end of the day where it's like, okay, God, you're doing something here and, and this becomes significant. This is the, the name of your people after this. So we know that it's significant. Uh, and that's what I think makes some of the 
some of the, the muddiness a little bit more frustrating. Yeah. Uh, the scripture story is messy. Yeah. But that's what makes it so compelling. It's such a good story yeah. because of the contrast for what you expect and what you actually get. Yeah, no, that's fair. Well, in chapter 33, then, as we continue on, now that chapter 32 is, is clear for you guys and you have no more questions they about it. They are so clear on it. Absolutely All their clear. questions have been answered. Yep. Yeah. Uh, chapter 33, then, we move on to uh, this uh, the situation of one last deception of Esau, where Jacob actually does finally come face to face with Esau and uh, divides up his family. And you see his affections because he puts Rachel in the, the very rear of all of the procession, meaning he, he wanted to make sure that she was going to be protected no matter what. And he went up front to meet Esau and he's, he approaches Esau. He's bowing. This is the, the symbol of a servant before a master. And yet Esau multiple times greets him and calls him brother. And so you see a different situation with Esau. And there's a lot of blank space where we don't know what's happened in Esau's life to this point. But clearly he has been able to reconcile uh, internally, at least, his frustration and anger against his brother here. Um, we have talked about and, and often talk about in counseling sessions, do I have to forgive somebody even, even if they don't ask for my forgiveness? Forgiveness. And it looks like here with Esau, you see somebody that's that's let go of their desire for vengeance and in uh, yeah, vengeance for for lack of a better term. There, Jacob doesn't really buy it though. Jacob won't won't follow. He won't go with Esau, and, and instead goes back to the promised land. And, and one commentator made the point, and I think this is helpful, that uh, he couldn't go with Esau because he had vowed to God that he was going to return to uh, the promised land and worship Him there. And to, to follow Esau would have been to to derail that and to break his vow. But he didn't have to deceive. Right. Esau in order to make that happen. And here you see some of the old man still lingering with him. What's interesting though, is after all that stink about changing Jacob's name to Israel, Moses continues to call him Jacob. Yeah. Do you notice that? I, yeah. And then there's, there's questions about, cause it, it does not, that's not consistent. Sometimes he does call him Israel. Other times he calls him Jacob. And the question is, well, why is there some kind of point being made uh, by Moses to the audience who's reading to say, well, see, he's here. He's acting like Jacob and here he's acting like Israel. Right. Maybe that's happening. Maybe not. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. I, I will say, though, here's something I do know. Chapter 27, uh, Isaac prophesies about Esau eventually just kind of letting go. Yeah. What you were just talking about. So just to remind you guys, Genesis chapter 27, verse 40, um, when Isaac's pronouncing the, I guess, an anti-blessing over Esau, he says, by your sword, you shall live and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. And so you read that and it seems like that's explains in part why Esau shows up the way he does. He, he's done with it. He let it go. And granted, I don't know if you recall this, it's been at least 14 years. Yeah. <laughs> seven years for uh, for Leah, seven years for for the, uh, Rachel, yeah. and then even more time that he stayed to help. So 20. So 20. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, that, 20 years, give or take. So it's been a long time. Again, we look at another 20-year time frame, and for us, it only took us a couple pages. But for them, that's 20 years. Right. That's a huge amount of time. It is a long time. Yeah, well, he comes to, at the end of chapter 33, as he's uh, drifting away from and on his way to go worship, he comes to uh, the city, or to camp outside of, of the city of Shechem in the land of Canaan. So he's back into the promised land here, and he erects an altar there, and he calls on the name of the Lord again when he's there. So, um, yeah, that brings chapter 33 to an end. Chapter 34, Dinah. I mentioned Dinah a couple episodes ago. She's the only daughter that is mentioned of Jacob's uh, offspring that he has here. And so daughter, uh, Dinah, the, the daughter of Leah, say that five times fast. <laughs> Dinah, the daughter of Leah, um, she decides that she wants to go out and see what the locals are like. So 
Curiosity killed the cat. Curiosity killed the cat. Uh, this is in no way blaming Dinah for what happens to her, but but Not this is all. this is a, a bad move from her to to go out and do this. Number one, it wasn't culturally normative nor acceptable for this to, to take place. And number two, uh, these are foreigners and she goes off by herself to, to look upon the way of the women to, in other words, she wants to know, okay, what are the ladies like over here? And I know what they're like around my home and around my culture, but what are they like here in this area? And while she's there, uh, Shechem, the, perhaps the one that the city was named after or a descendant of that one, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the land, the ruler of the land. So he's high up in, in the, the ranks here says, seizes her and lay with her and humiliated her. Parents, uh, PG warning, PG-13, maybe our warning here. You may want to... Um, you going to start cussing? No. Okay. But you, you, just heavy topic that we're about to, to deal with. Yes. So just a, a warning, caveat ahead of time, just so we're clear on that, so that you can make a decision here. Anyways, uh, what happens in verse two is rape. And uh, and I, I know there are situations where we'll, we'll look at some passages of scripture and say, well, what happened with David and Bathsheba? Was that rape? Was that not rape? This is a clear instance of rape. This is what happens when he seizes her and lays with her. In fact, in the Hebrew there, the uh, the word with is not present in the Hebrew, and it's there to stress the violence of the act done. This is not a consensual act. It, 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 her is just simply the object of the word. And so it's it's not, it, our English gloss can su- suggest perhaps she was somehow involved in this. This is not the case at all. This is a forced act between Shechem and and Dinah. And uh, and then in verse three, verse three is, is it makes my skin crawl and my blood boil because it says his soul was then drawn to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. And he loved the, this is not love. This is lust. This is a perversion of, uh, of God's plan. If you think of God's design for a relationship, it, it should have the affections precede the physical act. Here you have the physical act precede these pseudo affections that follow afterwards. And there are so many parallels in this chapter with what happens with David and, uh, and his son Amnon and, and, and Tamar. You'll remember there, Amnon sleeps with Tamar and then hates Tamar as a result. Here you have the opposite. You have this man sleep with Dinah and then profess some sort of twisted love for her and devotion for her afterwards. Well, Dinah goes and makes her way back and and what happens is revealed to uh, the, the sons of Jacob there and they... Uh, Jacob, I guess, is the first one to find out what has happened, and, and he decides to sit on this. And that's what we were hashing out before the podcast started, is is should Jacob have acted sooner than he did, or were, were the, the, the actions of, of Levi and Simeon, were those justified? Were those the right actions to take place? And, and listen, nobody's, nobody's in the right here um, at the end of the day. Nobody is. Um, I don't think Jacob led well in this situation. I think Jacob's silence and sitting shows a lack of leadership. I think he should have been more proactive on this, and I think there should have been action taken. I do think undoubtedly there should have been action taken. Even culturally, the Code of Hammurabi, which was one of the, the governing laws during this time, called for death to the one who did what Shechem had done. So even prior to a giving of the law, there was a cultural, there was a a societal, there was a natural law that understood that this is wrong and that there needed to be justice done. And so Jacob had enough information at hand to know that something needed to be done. This is not, we need to call together the divine council to see what we need to do on this. Now, that said, Pastor Rod, as you pointed out beforehand, God isn't consulted anywhere in this. And so this is 
that's a, another red flag, right? On both Jacob's part and his his son's part. Right. Nobody goes to God and says, God, what, what should we do in this situation? Right. So as you mentioned already, verse five says here that his sons were with the livestock in the field. So Jacob held his peace until they came. So it seems to me like Jacob's delay in part, although I wouldn't say it's entirely exemplary, in part though, he's waiting because he is seeking to counsel with his sons. Sons, what do we do about this? And perhaps, maybe, maybe, I don't know this. We can't say that this is the case because we don't see this, but maybe he's going to say, let's let's pray. Let's see what the Lord will have us do. Kodahamurabi, I mean, that's Mesopotamia. If I'm not mistaken, that's the origin is Mesopotamia. They're not in Mesopotamia. They're in, they're in Canaan. Is it related? Perhaps, maybe, I don't know. But here's what I can see. Jacob delays. He waits, which I think is a wise thing because no, no doubt he would have been angry too. He would have had uh, certain something welling up in his heart to say, we need to deal with this. But he waits, and notice in verse 13, uh, verse 13, it's the sons of Jacob who answer. Jacob is with them, and he seems to abdicate his responsibility. I'll give you that, because it seems like if he's a dad, he's the patriarch, he should jump in, he should say something. But the sons answer instead of him, which seems to put Jacob in a position to say, well, ancient Near Eastern customs, if, if he talks now, he, he dishonors himself. His, his, his sons usurp his authority, and they should not have. He doesn't correct them because in the moment, I feel like his hands are tied. Not to say, again, he's not excused. Not saying he's excused. I'm just trying to see, okay, what would this be look be like understanding this from an ancient Near Eastern perspective? So it seems like he's, his hands are in some cases tied. God's not not pleased with the event, obviously. I don't think God liked what uh, Simeon and Levi do because he mentions later on through Jacob that this is a bad thing. He curses them at the end of the book of Genesis. So this is clearly an awful event. No one's innocent. I like the way that you put that. No one comes out of here scot-free, but I'm not entirely sure after reading through it this time around that I think Abraham or Abraham, Jacob is entirely like to blame for this, although he is culpable. Yeah, it's it's interesting. He held his peace until he came. Uh, I was just looking at. So Bruce Walkie mentions on that particular note. He says the gap of Jacob's emotions is remarkable. Elsewhere, the narrator records his intense emotions, and he talks about you know his first seeing of Rachel, and uh, he kissed Rachel and wept aloud. Verse eighteen, even just the the it seemed nothing for him to work the the seven years. Verse uh, chapter thirty two, verse seven, uh, Jacob is greatly afraid and distressed over Esau and acts in response to his emotions. There, Genesis uh, thirty three four, Esau runs to meet him and embraces him, and he falls on his neck and kisses him, and they wept together. But even uh, the, the one that jumped out to me is uh, he brought up chapter 37 verses 34 through 35 and we'll get there but that is the story where Joseph is uh, is told by or Jacob is told by his sons that Joseph has died and Jacob's response there is he tears his garments puts sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days and all sons and daughters rose up to comfort him but he refused to be comforted and said no I shall go down to Sheol my son in mourning so there, there just seems to be a little bit of something that's out of character with who Jacob is that he sits on this and it says in the text holds his peace this is not a situation as a dad that I'm going to hold my peace so perhaps one thing that might help add flavor to that is that this is Dinah's uh, Dinah is Leah's daughter true I mean that's that's not inconsequential I didn't bring that up because I, I don't I'm not sure if that explains more of his passivity but it seems to be the case. I mean, if he's still playing favorites, maybe this helps explain some of his reaction. It makes him really calloused. Right. I'm afraid of that. Right. But maybe that explains part of this. Yeah. All I know is as a dad, I'm not holding my peace. Yeah. I, I, 
I grant you, it seems that Levi and Simeon are condemned for this later on as Jacob gives his blessing to his sons. Their anger is condemned. I, I, I get that, but I'll just, just fully transparent. I resonate with Simeon and Levi far more than Jacob in this account. I am not surprised that you would say that. Yeah. I, but I don't think that we could say that their their response is right. I think scripture makes it clear that their their response was a wrong response, even if they're... Uh, there is a modicum of righteousness in that, or of righteous indignation. Yeah, Shechem I, deserved to die. There's yeah, no doubt about that. I agree with Shechem that. Shechem needed to be executed, and he needed to die. 100%. Dead. Yes, multiple times. Yes, as dead as he possibly could be, he needed Dead, to. dead. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm entirely in favor of that response. I'm just saying that the way that they approached it, clearly, apart from God's leadership and the wisdom of God, they, they just did it wrong. Right. They did yeah. it in their flesh, and consequently, they suffered for that. Yeah, and that's fair. Everybody swung and missed in chapter 34. Multiple ways. Yes. Yeah. What a bummer. What a bummer to end on that. But hey, keep reading your Bibles because it does get better. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it does. And, and man, could just notice Shechem sins, but the whole city suffers for that. Yeah. Everybody dies because of Shechem's sin. Yeah. And, and that, I think, it partly just shows the fact that those of us in leadership, husbands, fathers, pastors, um, employers, when we sin, it hurts a lot more people than just us. So be aware. It does. Yep. It's a helpful reminder. Weightiness. But uh, you're doing the right thing by being in the Word. That's it's right. going to help you keep be equipped and, uh, and to keep at it. Yep. All right, guys. Keep reading your Word, and we will see you again. Talk to you again. You'll hear from us again. Lord willing, tomorrow. God willing. See you. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.